Hello, PolyAm fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polly fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Polly Off. Quick disclaimer, as you're enjoying this discussion, there's a little bit of construction work happening in our neighborhood, and so you might be hearing a little bit of background noise of heavy machinery. We apologize in advance. We've tried multiple times, and this is just the best we can do for this episode. So, rather than wait and put this discussion off, we figure we're just going to have a little minor extra noise in the background. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, before we get into it, I do want to mention that we just came off of a really wonderful weekend where we got out of town. We went and did some touristy stuff down in Bend, Oregon, got to visit it for the first time, Uh, and it was you, your wife, me... No dogs, no kids, no grandkids, just us on the river. It was great. Yeah, we went out and had a good time. It felt like, you know, we needed just to kind of decompress. And so we did. We got the chance to play some mini golf, ride some go-karts. We checked out this lava place. Yeah, so a lot of stuff was still closed because one... We're still early in the season. It's not like it's summertime yet, so stuff hasn't opened up. And two, Oregon's gone a bit back on lockdown stuff. So some places were closed, but we did some outside traveling of these lava land areas. (laughs) Yeah, lots of rocks. Saw a lizard. That was pretty cool. And chipmunks. Lots of chipmunks. Lots of chipmunks. So yeah, we were able to get out, recharge. We had a room right next to the river, so we just listened to that. Uh, Her and I went into the hot tub for a little bit, and that was super relaxing. You got a massage. Yeah, I went out to a massage. I'm not huge on pools and hot tubs. I like them, but not nearly as much as you two do. Yeah. So I wanted to do something different, so I booked a massage and went out and got a massage. Yeah, so we all just did some self-care, relaxing away time this weekend. And we're coming back, and we're super excited to tackle this topic this week of vulnerability and intimacy. Well, I feel like that's actually a pretty good conversation to have because in a trip like one we just experienced, there's a lot of opportunity to become vulnerable and to deal with intimacy in general, whether it's sexual or personal or emotional, you know, there's lots of opportunity for growth there. And I think we even experienced some growth in our own ways through a trip like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I can talk a little bit about like my personal experience on it, but why don't we start off like what is each of these? Let's define what this is before we kind of dive in a little bit deeper. All right. I think that's a good idea. So what do you have? So vulnerability is allowing the self to be susceptible to emotional hurt or injury, opening yourself up to criticisms, Allowing uncertainty, risk, and exposure of yourself. All of which is very scary and I don't like. I struggle being vulnerable with people for sure. That's understandable. And really, vulnerability and that openness goes hand in hand with intimacy, which is a close familiarity or friendship 
basically a closeness. And we can even break that down into four different types of intimacy, the emotional, the mental, spiritual, or physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we're to look at these two different aspects together, in order to get a better intimacy experience, you have to understand your vulnerability and allow yourself to become more vulnerable in order to welcome intimacy into your life. Right. Like when I'm struggling and I'm like, man, me and my friendships, like I'm, we're not that close. It's all surface level and we don't have that friendship intimacy level that I would like. Well, if I really dig deep into it and do some self-reflection, it's because I'm not opening up. I'm not vulnerable, as vulnerable as I could be mm -hmm. with even just my friends. Yeah. Okay. But I also know that a lot of people do not like the feeling of being vulnerable. The act of allowing yourself to be vulnerable is one that a lot of people shy away from. And there's some reasons for that. Yeah. You have these fears or misconceptions around vulnerability. A lot of times people say that vulnerability is a weakness or it makes you weak. It gives you a soft spot to hit. Right. People also don't want to allow themselves to be vulnerable. That's probably me. Mm -hmm. And then often vulnerability seems to mean that you can't have secrets or privacy in a way. Like if you're fully open, you're not able to keep anything private to yourself because I'm so vulnerable, I must be open with everything. Right. If you're really going to be vulnerable, gotcha. then you need to just bleed yourself out onto the world. <laughs> gotcha. And then... One that is often really felt by a lot of people is that when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, that's when everyone betrays you. Yeah. That's when everyone betrays you and, you know, stabs you in the back and then, and then you just get walked on. Yeah. So I think we could probably talk about that a little bit really quick sure. on all of these ideas on what vulnerability is and how it might hurt us. So if we go back to the weakness. Mm-hmm. The perception that vulnerability is weakness, I think, comes from the fear of being vulnerable. I think yeah. a lot of these are probably just fear-based. But if you're afraid of being vulnerable or if you think that you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, the reason that's a weakness is because it gives other people the opportunity to use you, to abuse you, yeah. to treat you terribly, and it makes you a smaller person. Well, and especially if like that last one, if they've been betrayed or they've been hurt by someone they let in already, mm -hmm. that's just going to reinforce that fear. Yeah, absolutely. The, the reality is that vulnerability is actually a strength. When you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you know that you can put yourself out there in a way that says, hey, this is who I am and this is where I'm at. And I welcome you into my world knowing that there's the risk or the unexpected chance that you might hurt me. Right. But I can accept that and I can acknowledge that and then I can work from there because I believe in myself enough to know that even if I am hurt, I will heal and I will continue to succeed. You know how to work through it kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's not easy to do. I mean, hurt sucks and no one really likes it unless it's, you know, on that spectrum of fun, I guess. <laughs> but having the emotional pain... That's terrifying because a lot of people work really hard to avoid that engine. Mm -hmm. And that does kind of bleed into the next one. I don't allow myself to be vulnerable. Well, I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to experience that pain. So I just make myself 
shut off so that I don't have to be vulnerable to people, so that I don't have to get betrayed. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just kind of creating this cycle, right? If you're afraid of getting hurt, you're going to do what you can to protect yourself. You're going to build up walls. You're going to build up barriers. Like you mentioned earlier, you're going to you're going to be decent at the surface level stuff, but you're not going to be able to open yourself up to somebody in a way which might theoretically compromise you. Right. It shows them my weakness, my weak spot. Right. So what if we took that and we kind of turned it all around? And when we're going out to meet new people or make new friends, we want to say, you know what, this time I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable. I'm going to open up to people. I know that there's a chance. I'm going to accept the risk. Yeah. I'm going to accept the uncertainty. And I'm going to expose myself to a degree that allows people to feel welcome and to come in. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to do some work to understand your own personal expectations when you're encountering people or building on a relationship. And you kind of want to probably have, I guess I'd want to say like a backup plan for if this happens, then I will accept this or then I will do this. Right. Which is a really good way of managing when you do get hurt because, I mean, it's going to happen. This is life. Yeah. But if you can find ways to manage ahead of time that that's a possibility, you will still be able to open yourself up and you will still be able to learn how to connect with people. It's like playing our what if game. Mm-hmm. knowing that chances are it's going to happen. At some point, someone's going to misstep and hurt you, even if by accident. Yeah. So when this happens, how am I going to react? What am I going to do? Right. And so we play that what-if game to prepare. I like to think of it this way, because I've gone through a few phases. I remember a lot of times in my life where I didn't want to get hurt anymore, especially after a bad breakup or having some issues with family that really shook my foundation, right? I've had times where I've completely closed off. I didn't trust. I didn't believe. I felt like I was abused, betrayed. I didn't want to become vulnerable to people anymore. Yeah. I didn't like the hurt and I didn't like the feelings that went along with it. And I didn't know how to process or manage those feelings. So it was easier for me to wall off and push everyone away. I've done that a couple of times in my life. Yeah, definitely. I know I've done it coming out of a relationship or two where I just did not care and it was all about protecting myself and so everybody else got to stay the fuck away. Yeah. And while it's a good short-term fix, when you do it more and more and it becomes the long-term solution, that's when other aspects of this come into play, which actually, in my view, generally decreases the quality of life for the self. Yeah. So when I think about this, I think about growing up. Mm-hmm. As a kid, you trusted pretty much everybody. Right. You know, you were open. You would ask open questions. You would tell your story openly. You, as a child, you would be completely vulnerable. And you would be just fine with that. And you found a lot of happiness and you made lots of friends, you know, more or less. Yeah. And then as we get older and we experience more hurt and struggles in friendships, and then as we grow into teens or early 20s or whatever it is, we start having relationships that only last for a little while and then they fail or we get hurt or, you know, 
all of these things. And as the older we get, it feels like more of a natural progression to build these isolationist walls and to block off and to keep people at bay. But then another thing happens for a lot of people where they start feeling lonelier and they start feeling more depressed and they start feeling like, what's the point? So it's kind of like with each experience, I'm building a brick wall in front. And the first time I get hurt, I'm like, oh, that was that was bad. I don't like that. So the first layer of bricks are down. Mm-hmm. And then the next time it happens, I'm like, oh, that was awful. A couple more layers. Yeah. And so I slowly, with each experience growing up, build up this wall around me, right? I'm building my castle around myself. Right. And maybe maybe I experience, you know, that loneliness. I'm I'm walled off, I'm in my own space, and you need some people interaction. So maybe I poke a door through my through my brick wall and I push the door down and then somebody wants in and I pull that door back closed. Yeah. That's all I'm picturing through all of this for my own experiences is I used to be, you know, hard on the sleeve, wear it all out there kind of a person. Right. And with each bad or really bad experience that wall got thicker and stronger yeah but i i don't like being in there because it does get lonely and i'm a people person so i make those doors and then i pull the doors back closed but (laughs) yeah and then you pull the doors back closed now you can also think of it this way that's a great analogy maybe initially you put a fence way out there Mm -hmm. and you built that fence and people learned how to climb over your fence yeah and they got closer to you So just behind that fence, you put up a brick wall and people learned how to scale that brick wall. And so you make yet another wall and another fence and another divider and another room. Right. And so it's not just that you have your castle tower around you. You've also got this battlefield full (laughs) of landmines and walls and spike traps and whatever it is that keeps people away. And it's harder and harder every time you build one of these to be able to get back out there to the freedom because you also have to navigate through your own walls and your own pitfalls and all these other things just to get to the other side where you can breathe the air. Well, and it's interesting, too, because let's say, you know, in the beginning when you're just building that first fence, maybe you've got a horde of people coming at you and you're like, yeah, we all want to get to know you. You seem awesome. Yay. And with each wall and each landmine and whatnot that goes up people in general are like, I don't know if it's worth it. That's a lot of work to get through. And then the amount of people willing to get through all of that is less and less. So then maybe you have to start meeting them out a little bit. Right. And it's this whole process. It's just a really interesting concept to me. Someone who struggles in being vulnerable. To use that analogy even further, (laughs) when you've built up all of these barricades, you are less inclined to want to meet them halfway. Yeah. It's almost like you're making a test for the people in the world. If you can get through all of these obstacles and you make it to my door, then I'll meet you at my door. Right. But the other side of this is it gets to a point where you've built up so many obstacles that no one sees you inside your bunker. You're in there in the dark alone. And the people who might want to see you never get the chance to experience you because you're never out in your yard or you're never out past the walls. Right. Which makes you feel like, well, no one wants to make this effort to come and see me, right? So you're creating quite a bit more of an isolationist feel in your heart because you're afraid of what's outside the walls. Right. 
Zombies. Zombies are outside the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's let's tear all that minefield down. Think about this. If we were to approach life now as mm-hmm. adults. Okay. You know, I've been around for geez, 700 years now. Minute, yeah. <laughs> if I went back to a childlike mind where I just wanted to make friends and I wanted to see what was out there and I wanted to share my new Hot Wheels toy with somebody <laughs> like, hey, look at this thing. I would open myself up and I would get rid of my fences and my barricades and my barriers and I would put myself out there and I would say, hey, I want to meet you. I want to share my joys with you. I want to share my life with you in some way, even if it's showing you a handful of marbles or whatever it might be. I want to have that experience. And that's where the vulnerability comes from. But why do we want to be vulnerable to people? I guess would be the next question. Why would we want to take that chance? Why would we want to allow ourselves to be open to hurt like this? Well, I think it's human nature. We want to be in groups, right? We want to be in packs sort of a thing. I think it goes back to like caveman days where we survived because we you know, had each other's backs like the crudes, yeah. you know, like we could all get in a circle and everybody's backs are to each other. We could all protect ourselves and we were more likely to survive. Right. And not just survive, but thrive when we were in groups. And then, you know, converting that to today's world, I think it's just community. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We are hardwired as a species to connect with others so that we can feel like we're part of a tribe. That's that's actually exactly yeah. it. You hit the nail on the head, which I'm is I'm so awesome. smart. The reason why we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable is because we have a fear. Mm-hmm. And our fear isn't just how people are going to see us or how people are going to judge us. The fear all the way down to the root of the problem is that we have a fear of not being good enough to connect with. Right. We're going to be the outsider. We're going to be kicked out of the group. Right. I want to connect with this person, but what if I'm rejected? What if not only this person rejects me, but what if the whole community rejects me? Or what if all five of these people at this table reject me? The tigers, the saber-toothed tigers are going to eat me and I'm going to die, so I have to make it as part of a group. Yeah. So the idea is that we want to connect. And in order to be able to do that, we have to be able to show ourselves and be open and and be connectable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so that's why, for me, the idea of allowing yourself to be vulnerable is important. Because if I want to make connections with people, I have to share parts of me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I have to spill all my secrets (laughs) and never have any privacy. I mean, there are still things in our relationship, Mm -hmm. you and I... That I don't just go ahead and spill out everywhere. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not vulnerable with you. It doesn't mean you and I don't connect. You can create that level of acceptance on what you're willing to share. Right. It's your boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. It's your boundaries. And in that way, you know, you're not going into, let's say, a bar or a coffee shop or wherever you're going to go to meet people. Mm -hmm. A meetup, a munch, whatever it is. You're not going to go in there and just automatically spill every detail of your life story. I mean, I might because I've got a mouth. Well, Sometimes it runs. Okay, most people. <laughs> I do recall a munch we hosted where someone did that and I was kind of horrified. Like, 
why are you sharing all this information with all these people? <laughs> Slow down a little bit. <laughs> but you do have to start somewhere. Yeah. And that's like somewhere. having a game plan. It is having a game plan. And that somewhere can start small. Because you want to figure out who you're connecting with. Share a little bit of something here. Share a little bit of something there. Take a chance and go to a munch. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go make 12 friends when you first get there. Just decide to show up and even just see what it looks like. Definitely. Walk outside your barriers. Scary. Scary, but worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Okay, well, I want to take that and switch gears from vulnerability over to intimacy. All right. Okay, so we talked about how intimacy is a close or familiarity or friendship. It's this closeness, right? We even hear it in like, oh, intimacy used in a, it's a private, cozy, intimate atmosphere. It's because it's close, mm -hmm. literally, in physical proximity. Right. Right? You want to host a, an intimate gathering. Yeah. It's because it's a handful of close friends. doesn't have to be sex. A lot of people take intimacy to mean sex. There are, I mentioned it earlier, there can be multiples. You could break this down even further, but four general areas of intimacy. We talk a lot about emotional intimacy, right? That's yeah. where the vulnerability comes in. You have to open up your emotions. There's a mental vulnerability, spiritual. We've experienced that with, like, for me, trying different... I take bits and pieces of multiple religions and spiritualities mm -hmm. and kind of piece together my own belief system. And then there's also the physical intimacy. And sure, that can include sex. Sometimes it's just cuddling. That's a platonic cuddle. That's an intimate, close space, you know? Yeah, I was actually just reading earlier today an article about casual sex. And in the article, some of the things that they mentioned for casual sex didn't seem like sex to me. But yeah. I guess they would be to other people. You know, it's not just the act of penetration or even touching another person's genitals, right. per se. It could be hugging and kissing, mm. I guess, making out, or even just kissing on the mouth. Yeah. And some people would consider that casual sex. Interesting. Okay. So, I guess when we're thinking about this in my head, I just thought of that article and yeah. thought about the steps and the levels at which you can take this or some people might take this to mean. Well, and that's a big conversation to have, especially when you're building a friendship with somebody or starting to date somebody, you know, and you're asking all those questions and getting to know people, you know, what levels of intimacy are you interested in? Or, you know, do you consider kissing on the mouth a sexual act or having those open-ended conversations where you get to know where somebody else stands on this? Yeah. But I mean, really to sum it up, I think in relationship, intimacy means being close and emotionally connected and supported. It's being able to share a range of thoughts and feelings and experiences with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like that in general, to me, is what intimacy means. Now, uh, there are some key factors, I think, to having an intimate relationship. You need to trust. There's got to be trust in order for someone to be feel safe enough to be vulnerable and for me to create this intimate atmosphere or feeling, I have to be able to trust you. Yeah, and I think that goes in a certain direction. For the trust specifically, it's really difficult because if you're not feeling like you can be vulnerable, mm -hmm. then you're not feeling like you can trust. A lot of times people say or feel that trust needs to be earned. It's not just given. And to some degree, I, I agree with that. Yeah. To some degree... I don't. 
And the part where I don't is in my head, I was actually thinking about this, I don't know, yesterday, is that I like to start things off at a very, very basic giving level. Mm -hmm. I will trust you as a matter of default. Like, you know, the old the old saying that you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. I will assume that you're worthy of trust. And then your actions are going to determine where that scale slides to, right? A lot of people, I think, are so guarded and so unwilling to be vulnerable that they don't automatically start in a place of trust. Right. They automatically start in a place of this person's going to hurt me and I need them to prove me that they won't. Well, especially if they've got some trauma or mm -hmm. a past abusive experience around it, right? right? It's the same thing like, oh, you look like my ex. And there's certain sayings. You kind of sound like him in these certain ways. So I'm going to come into this already mistrusting you. Right. Because of nothing that you've done, but just because of my past and my history. Yeah, totally. And in some of my past relationships, you know, way back in the day, I went through some I guess you'd say traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. And I, I was at that place. I was like, I will not trust another living soul <laughs> again. Right. And for a long time, it did. It kept everyone away. And for people to want to build a trust when they're already feeling like they can't have a space to show you a way that they're trustworthy, after a while, they're going to be like, you know, I'm tired of putting effort into this. Right. Definitely. So first we've got trust, uh, acceptance, mm -hmm. right? You have to feel accepted by this person. Honesty, and I think that goes hand in hand with trust. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Safety, compassion, affection, and communication. Those are all some key components to being able to maintain and have an intimate relationship. And again, that intimacy is a scale, yeah. right? Whatever works for these the people involved, but they have to be able to trust. There's got to be acceptance, honesty, safety, compassion, affection, and some communication. Yeah. And then the compassion mm -hmm. is where I put my trust now. Right. Back in the day when I wouldn't trust anyone, you know, no one would want to connect with me. And eventually I got lonelier and lonelier. I felt less connected to the world around me. Right. And then I spent a lot of my time throwing up middle fingers. You know? <laughs> but I've learned over my time on this planet that if I impressed compassion into my view mm -hmm. and allowed to use compassion to view others and then gave them that baseline level of trust, it's a lot easier to work through some of the vulnerability and some of the intimacy and even just some of the connection by being the first to give a little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding that everyone's got some history and, yeah. you know, being compassionate towards whatever they've got going on. They don't know what I've got going on. So let's kind of meet in the middle here. Mm -hmm. And so now let's say you're, you're working on all these things. You've got these factors. You've got a pretty good intimate relationship that you want to nurture. You want to, you want to really take care of this relationship, whether it's a baby relationship, brand new or it's an experienced long-term relationship that you've been in for a while and you really want to nurture. Some ways that you can do that and some tips to take away. Showing appreciation for your partner. Looking to learn more about each other. Even if you've been together 20 years, people change over time. It's yeah. always good to learn more about each other. Set aside time for each other. 
very specific, not just, oh, you know, we're going to sit in front of the TV tonight because that's what we do, but set aside some intentional time. And during that time, make sure to unplug. Yeah. It's a big thing these days. Everyone's so, we're so stuck on our devices and our phones and you might be TikToking together on the couch and that's a special moment and that's fine. But if you're setting aside some time to nurture the intimacy, phones might not be a good time to play on that. It might not be a good time to play on your phones. Physical affection doesn't have to be sex, just some physical touch. Touch is a big love language for people. Working on creative projects together also helps create that intimacy. You're building something together. Until Uh you both have such strong differing opinions that you start butting heads over this creative project. (laughs) And finally, like one of the last ways to nurture that intimacy in a relationship is to talk about what intimacy means to you. You know, ask your partner, what does intimacy mean to you? And see if you're on the same page and talk it out. I'd actually think that one's firstly. I agree. It just happened to be the order that I wrote my notes down. <laughs> Fair. So yeah, that's what I've got on intimacy. I think I think it, like we said earlier, goes hand in hand with vulnerability. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we've talked about this in a way which really generalizes it and keeps it broader open for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But perhaps a better understanding through experience might help the people listening to this discussion. Sure. And you and my wife and I just went on basically a three-day vacation together. Yeah, it was so great. So let's use some of that. Do you have some examples of where you allowed yourself to be vulnerable and to open up to create more intimacy either with me or with her or just in general through that trip? Well, I think her and I connected probably more than you and I connected <laughs> through this trip, which I mean is, is great. You and I are nesting partners. We connect all day, every day in different ways. Right. But especially the moment when you left and you went and did the massage so we could go get in the pool and we got in the hot tub together. Mm-hmm. There were vulnerable moments where we spoke about some of the past issues that had happened and what a better place we're at now a year more than a year later why you know we've grown why some of the things have happened so we really both got vulnerable and opened up in some of our conversations and then that was all in the pool and by the time we moved over into the hot tub we were in a literal close proximity space we were in an intimate space just her and i able to continue that vulnerable discussion which i think led to by the end of the trip, you know, some better hugs, you know, that we give each other just when saying goodbye. And that act in itself is an intimate act, you know, just hugging someone goodbye. Right. Yeah. You know, because I am the hinge on this V (laughs) and I get to experience my relationship with you and I get to experience my relationship with her, I can see where I build my relationship with each of you and where I open myself up to be vulnerable to allow room for intimacy. But this trip was really great because it gave me the opportunity to also watch as you two were learning how to grow better together. Yeah. You know, it was it was actually pretty cool. I give you guys both a lot of shit because when you two get together... <laughs> You have this habit of doing like the double team thing and not in a fun way, I might (laughs) where you guys get to use me to make jokes. Yeah. When you guys get together, you like to do this thing where 
I'm the butt of your jokes. <laughs> and generally it's pretty funny. And we all kind of give each other shit here and there. So it's all in good fun. And I know that. So even in this scenario where if I was not as secure with myself as I am, I might get irritated and pissed off and start fights. I do like watching you two interact in a way that you both can enjoy a laugh and you both get to connect over something, even if that something is ridiculing me. Well, now, to be fair, it's not always ridicule. It's, I think, because we've been strengthening this intimate bond that we have, mm -hmm. that it's also supportive. Yeah. Right? So when you call me out on some bullshit, she jumps in to defend me real quick. And she's like, no, no, no. True. And vice versa. Like, when you call her out on something, and I'm like, no, sir, you are wrong. And so then you'll get tag teamed with that, too, because now it's two on one yeah. in that sense, too. So it's not always a joke thing, but all of a sudden, there's more support. <laughs> yeah. And it's awesome. That's <laughs> pretty good. It's it's generally funny, and yes, while sometimes it is slightly irritating, each time it happens, it makes me thankful that the both of you have developed this, and you both have become more vulnerable with each other, to build that intimacy in your friendship. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, we were talking about some of these key factors like trust and honesty and acceptance and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we are starting, even though we've you know, all been together for four years now, her and I are kind of starting back at square one with some things after working through the bumps. So we're rebuilding that trust and acceptance, compassion, the safety zone, feeling safe with each mm -hmm. other, stuff like that. So we're really setting the groundwork right now to move forward. And we're building that foundation from the beginning. It's yeah. kind of interesting. I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, Absolutely. And then that's where it also adds to that intimacy. I know that I was asked by somebody, when the three of us go out on vacation, <laughs> yeah. what are the sleeping arrangements? Which is something that, you know, generally monogamous people are going to be curious about. Right. Because everyone likes some dirt. <laughs> but also non-monogamous people who haven't experienced these sorts of things. And because of what we've built in these two fields... There is that question. When we go on a vacation together, who sleeps where and who, you know, what have you. Right. So I guess that's another way to show how intimacy is built. If we go out and we can get a room that has two beds, mm -hmm. then ideally I want it to at least be a two-night stay so that one night I get to sleep with one of you and the other night I get to sleep with the other one. Right. Sometimes we're not going to get the luxury of having two beds and we just get a room with one king. Right. And that's fine too, because her, as her and I have discussed, we don't mind. We're at a point where we don't mind. We can all sleep in the same bed. That's yeah. fine. And if you didn't have that intimacy built through, mm -hmm. then that wouldn't even be a possibility. Right. And realistically, it might've ended up being one of those scenarios where there'd be two different rooms right. and then I'd have to jump between rooms and then that also creates that barrier going all the way back to the beginning of this discussion is that's a physical representation of building that wall between you two. Mm -hmm. Having two rooms has that wall. Now there's not that casual connection that's happening 
that does happen when we're all in one room. Yeah. And it's really interesting because her and I are so similar in a lot of ways. You know, like we both like the bed by the window, right? Mm -hmm. Not only do we want to hear the river, but it's nice and cool. And, you know, we like the open window, the open door kind of a thing. And some of the stuff we watch on TV and the books we read and some of the music and things like that, we've connected through these similar things that taking a little mini three-day trip like this is like, we can both sit in our bed, you know, and watch TV and read our books and do our thing and feel totally content in that. We don't have to have that awkward silence. We we know that we're each other are, joy, are enjoying ourselves. Yeah. You know? Well, and then... To get back to the two-room scenario, if you build that wall, you mm -hmm. have the two separate rooms, not only is that creating that boundary to where now I'm going to have to stay one night in this room and one night in this room, that's also going to break up the feeling or the ability to connect in a way that if you each have your own room and we all want to socialize, then there's that awkwardness of like, am I going to be allowed in my metamorphs room. Can I or sit on their bed? <laughs> is it invasive of the privacy? And then you have to have these conversations and you have to do more work to figure out where you are and where you sit, yeah. which is great because those conversations are what builds on your friendship or your relationships. But it also creates a little bit of a divide, which might make the entire trip feel more like too many trips. Well, the whole thing, I think, with doing two rooms would feel weird, even if we're going out to dinner, right? Neutral ground, somewhere totally different. We each come out of our room and then it's like, oh, hey, you know, like, long time to see, pal. Right. What's happening? And then you have to have that whole discussion on where to go for dinner in a hallway. Right. Instead <laughs> or of in just, the vehicle while driving. Yeah. Instead of just getting ready in the room together and we're all, we've got some inside jokes and some laughing and we're figuring it all out and you're creating that special time together. Yeah. I think that's a great example of, of how if you got rid of some barriers, as long as you're comfortable with them, as long as everyone's comfortable right. with them, if you're getting rid of some of these barriers, then you're seeing where you can make your connections. Yeah, definitely. And then it also helped with when we went out somewhere, mm -hmm. when we went to go explore the lava rock place, or when we were driving home, there was a lot of conversation, you know, just casual, fun stuff. And then we would see something like I saw an antique store. Yeah. And I love antiquing. I'm like, we got to go here. Then we all knew and we all agreed and we all went. And then while we were walking through the antique store, I didn't have to bounce between partners like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? We all just commingled in a way. We'd go our own separate ways and we'd eventually find each other. And in that antique store, I saw more examples of you two building your intimacy with each other. Yeah. It wasn't just you'd run to me and say, oh, Monsanto, look at this thing. Look at this thing. And she'd run to me. Oh, Monsanto, look at this thing. Look at this thing. You guys would even run to each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, Bella, look at this. I yep. think you'd like this. Yeah, definitely. And it was even, um, I experienced it a lot, not only at the antique store, mm -hmm. but like when we went and did the mini golfing too, Yeah. which by the way, we all got a hole in one at some point along this course. We did. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was super cool. But that genuine happiness and excitement for a meta, right? Like I... <laughs> 
remember, first of all, one of her shots that went way out of the park. Yeah, and she I was, forgot she was on the mini golf course. <laughs> and I was sitting on the bench, and it was like I was watching like a tennis game where your head whips to the other side real quick. Yeah. And I just watched her ball fly. <laughs> so that was great. We all had a big laugh. But when she, and she was the last one to get her hole in one, and it was on the last hole yeah. of the 18-hole course. We were so excited, and I genuinely was so excited for her. I was like, yes, she also got one. Like, it was just so exciting. And, you know, and then when we were at the casino, and she's the one that won money more than you and I did. It was, like, so happy and excited for her. When in the past, there might have even been some envy or jealousy that popped up. Resentment. Resentment. But not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really nice place to be in in our relationship. Well, and to even go one step in the other direction, or I guess the same direction, but further in that direction, for me, being this hinge, when we were also driving home, we saw an old abandoned road over a giant ravine. Yeah. We decided to turn around and check it out. And there's a park there, a state park, and we stopped in and we're checking things out and walking around and having a good time. When you're the hinge in a relationship and your metamors aren't quite in a good place where they're getting along, trying to do things as a group is sometimes pretty difficult. Yeah. Because if metamors aren't getting along, then that's going to put extra pressure on the person that they're the meta for, right. I guess. Right. For lack of a more intelligent way of explaining that. Well, I mean, it kind of, if you picture a V, right, and the hinge down in the middle, mm-hmm. and if there's pressure on each side, it's going to snap at the hinge. Yeah, you're going to make your hinge snap. <laughs> And if we would have taken this trip a while back, it might have turned out a little differently. It for sure would have turned out a little differently. Yeah, we got to go and we got to explore this, I guess I would call it a monument Yeah. at this point. And we got to have fun. We would take pictures together. We would take candid pictures of the other one, you know. We got the chance to all of us really feel the joy of three friends out having a good time. And we'd goof off together, you know, either all three of us or you and I or Mm -hmm. she and I or you and her. There are times where I felt confident enough that I could run off and do something. And you two are going to be great and have a good time. And you did. Yeah. And not only did you do that, but you continued to have more candid conversations with each other and find more ways to bond together which I think is one of the main aspects of this trip that worked out so well. Definitely. I mean, there was one time you disappeared and we were like, oh my God, did he fall over the bridge? Yeah, this ravine was (laughs) deep. It was super deep. We couldn't find you for just a minute. And then we were like, oh, he's over there. It's fine. So we continued doing our thing. Yeah. Um, And then there were other times where I was sneaky and I could catch a picture of the two of you having a moment. You know, you guys are hugging or something like that. And I I caught it on camera. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then once upon a time, if I tried to get us to go out and do a thing like this, I wouldn't have felt that I could go off and explore something on my own. Yeah, I would have been like, no, no, come back. Don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I don't know what to say. Right. And she would have done the same thing. I like to climb around on shit. I like to do some exploration that both of you aren't terribly fond of. We sit at the base while you climb the lava rocks and we're both like, yeah, what is he doing? I don't know. He's exploring, talking to the chipmunks, climbing over rocks. Chasing lizards. Yeah, chasing lizards. So in this ravine, you know, there's the highway bridge 
And then there was this old bridge that doesn't get used for vehicle traffic anymore. And we were on the one that doesn't get used for vehicle traffic anymore. I like climbing rocks. I mean, like, I was a country boy. I do country boy things, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain that. And so there's this giant ravine. I want to walk up to the edge. I want to find a spot that's not fenced off <laughs> that I shouldn't be. He walks up to the edge. Meanwhile, there's a million signs that are like, don't let your dog go up to the edge because many dogs have died here. It was a horribly morbid sign. Yeah, I actually got a picture of that Yeah, he's sign. like, oh, I'm going to walk right up to the edge. It's fine. Well, despite what some people <laughs> may say, I'm not a dog. <laughs> But I got the chance to go explore the rock faces and climb under the bridges yeah. and the fun that I want to have, the little adventurous, explorative kind of fun that I knew that you two wouldn't really be interested in or would try to talk me out of. <laughs> so it gave me a chance to escape while you two were occupied with each other <laughs> so that I could disappear and go on my magical journey. Right. And it's stuff like that that helps, helps a person realize how well things are going. To bring this all back, it's because we've allowed ourselves to be vulnerable with each other. Definitely. This trip was an amazing trip, and it's one that I'm going to remember for a long time because we were all allowing ourselves to be vulnerable around each other. We were all accepting each other's vulnerabilities, and we were able and willing to all work on different forms of intimacy, which made our connection stronger and tighter. Yeah, absolutely. It's one for the books, for sure. Yeah. And it's stuff like this that, that helps me remember that you have to allow yourself to be wholehearted, to be vulnerable in ways which may scare you, because even if someone doesn't accept you for who you are, others will. And it's those others who you find your genuine connection with. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. And you will find that connection as long as you allow yourself the opportunity to look for it, and as long as you open yourself up to receive it. I will work on that. <laughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> and on that note, Polyam fam, we will see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye now. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam, live like there's no tomorrow, laugh until it hurts, and, and love, love without, without limits. limits.